What a good day it has been. What a good day it is. It is such an honor to be able to gather with you either in pew or online as we worship our Heavenly Father. It does not get much better than this. And I am especially elated, as I'm sure you are also, with the news that yet another wonderful family has decided to journey with us to the promised land. Uh, the, the Aikens are special people. We've had the privilege already, our family, to, to spend time with, with their family. And uh, this church just got stronger. We just got better. It was already a strong church, already a good church. But we are uh, an enhanced, a more blessed family of believers now because of uh, their wonderful decision. And Sebastian, that's an all-time great name, by the way. And I got a feeling little Sebastian is just going to be a legend in this church over the years. And we got a lot of young legends among us. And, and God is good. God is good. I, I, we, we've got to count how many families and individuals God has sent to us during uh, a very troubling time in our country and in some ways in our congregation. God has continued to smile in our direction. And we dare not take these blessings for granted. We dare not take the, the addition of, of just the infusion of, of wonderful people with, with a deep faith, a love for God, um, a joy about them that enhances, that uplifts us all. And we pray that God will continue to, to deliver us good news. I, I'm pretty confident that, that he will, perhaps even by next Sunday. We'll have some, some more... Um, blessings from the Father to pass along to the, to the church. Um, let me ask you, if you would, to, to think about worship, to think about our attitude towards God, specifically think about our attitude towards worshiping our Heavenly Father. How would you complete this sentence? Let me ask you to do a little mental exercise at the beginning of our study this morning and fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. When I came into the worship assembly this morning or chose to join the worship assembly online, when I gathered for worship this morning, I was blank. I was blank. What word or what series of words would you put today in the blank to describe you, to describe your attitude as we have come together to worship the Father? Perhaps some would say, as I came into the assembly today to worship God, I was tired. I was stressed, some might put in the blank. I was aggravated. I was wanting to be somewhere else. I was, as I gathered today, NPR online, I was expecting to be bored. What would you put in the blank? As we gathered for worship this morning, I was what? Maybe you answered enthusiastic. As we gathered for worship today, I was thankful. I was hopeful. 
I was rested. As we gathered for worship today, I was prepared to receive a blessing. King David, you remember him, right? Well, we know about him a lot, but we know especially he was one of the all-time great worshipers. How would he fill in the blank? I was glad. You can, you can almost just see it right there on the paper, can't you? I was G-L-A-D, capital G, capital L, capital A, capital D, exclamation point. I was glad when they said to me, let's go to church. Let us go into the house of the Lord, actually, is how he put it. Don't you just <laughs> delight over things that, that you have a certain eagerness about. You're just eager to get there and participate, and you know it's going to be good. You're expecting it to be good. You get there, and it was good. And when you left, you think about it. That was good. Worship's that way, right? People can get eager about so many fascinating things to me. We are in the process, our family, of downsizing. We're moving from a larger place to a smaller place, which means we've got to get rid of some of our, our treasure that some people might view as trash. So we've been having a couple these past Saturdays, we've been having a moving sale, yard sale, right? Yesterday, you're not going to believe this, are you? Yesterday, we didn't do much advertising for it, put a, a notice or two on Facebook, put a sign out the morning of Going to have a yard sale. Going to start at 6 o'clock in the morning. Some people love going to yard sales. They're eager. They're, they fill in the blank. I was glad when I could go to a yard sale. Do you know, do you know what time people came to our house yesterday morning? Now, you think, okay, 6 o'clock, that's ridiculous. Why, nobody would get up. It's 6 o'clock or before 6 to be at somebody's house by 6 just to buy their trash. People were in our, there were three vehicles in our driveway yesterday morning. The sale, the great bargains, going to start at 6. People were in our driveway, at least three vehicles, before 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. And some of them worship with you. That's right. That's right. I heard them through the garage door talking about the preacher's treasures. We had stuff in the garage. We had stuff in the house, furniture. One lady walks in. And she's been out there 30 minutes at least with others talking. I mean, it's like a, it's like a party out there. It's cool. She comes in, looks around at our stuff. She says, where are the bargains, you know? Don't you just love that? Don't you just love somebody that's going to get up and be eager for something like that? That's kind of, I'm not trivializing at all, but, but that should be our attitude times a few numbers towards the, the worship assembly. Where are the bargains? They're here. This is the bargain of a lifetime. We get to come together and worship our maker. I go to 
t-ball games again because Jill, are you? Where's Jill? Are you listening to your pop? You are. I get to go to t-ball games again because Jill is playing t-ball, and it's such an exciting thing. If you've never been to a t-ball game, you haven't lived. You need to go. If you went decades ago, find a park rediscover the joys of a t-ball game here's what happens you've got one little child about about five-ish years old some of them look like they're three and, and they're up there where they got their bat and they're facing usually the ball and they're facing the people out there and out in the the infield and the outfield you're supposed to i know when you play baseball you're supposed to have about nine of them out there but in a t-ball game you might have you might have 20 kids out there some of them got their gloves and they're watching the ball some of them are watching the plane some of them are picking flowers some of them are picking other things you know there's a lot going on when a kid hits the ball and sometimes there's there's it takes a little while for that to have a kid hits the ball and the ball starts rolling out there to where all these kids have been patiently waiting for something to happen you know what they do? You talk about eagerness. All these kids. It should be, you know, well-coached team. One kid gets the ball, fills it cleanly, makes the throw to first base, kids out. Okay. That's not T-ball. T-ball, you got all these four, five, six-year-olders out there. They've been waiting for this moment. They see a ball come rolling. It may not be rolling towards them. It may be rolling way over there. And what are they thinking? That's my ball. I got to get it. And all the kids are loading up, running fast as they can to get the ball. First kid gets there, gets on the ball. Another kid comes, gets on that kid. Another, and it's like a, a dog pile of kids over there after the ball. They're eager for that. This is our ball. This is our team. I'm not trivializing it. I'm just saying that's the kind of eagerness. I want that ball. I want that experience. I want the heart of David. I want to be glad when they say, let's go to worship. Yesterday, we had a, a gathering of our family and some friends to reveal whether Jenna and Will are having a little boy or having a little girl. I knew it was going to be a boy, of course, you know. And good news, it's a little boy. It's been good news too, it's a little girl, but boys are cool. Before we have the actual unveiling or revealing of it's a boy, it's a girl, you know, we're going to be eating and milling about and fellowship and talking to folks, right? And I find my daughter, Jenna, and I say, Jenna, come, come with me. I want to show you something. You know what she says? She says, no, I don't want to go. And you know why she doesn't want to go? Because she thinks I'm going to take her aside and try to get the truth out of her one last time before I, and she wants me to have to wait like everybody else, like I'm not her dad, right? So I have to wait like everybody else to find out if it's a little boy or girl. But I, I, I wanted to know early, but I didn't. That wasn't the point. We go outside to the front of this place, and there's a, I want you to see it in your mind right now. To me, the most, there are three rose bushes there, and, and two of them are got, got the red roses, and in the middle there's a, a bush that's got beautiful yellow roses. And I want you to see these. These, to me, are the most beautiful rose blooms, blossoms I've ever seen. The, 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 the deepness of the reds and the, the, the shape of them, the vibrancy of them. And then there, there's that one in the middle, this yellow. 
I, I mean, I'm not exaggerating here. I really think it's the most beautiful color of yellow I've ever seen. It just, it's, it's explosive. It, it just, it's a, a breathtaking. I get it. You can tell. I kind of get into stuff like that. And I go outside with Jenna. And I, I just said, Jenna, I just wanted you to see these beautiful flowers. Just wanted you to notice the, these, these roses. Because we can get busy. I'm not trying to preach to her and some object lesson with her necessarily. And I had no intention of mentioning that today, really, at the time I was talking to Jen about the flowers. But, but there are things in our lives that, that, that get us so busy. They can clutter us up. They can, they can take us away from, from savoring the true great experiences and noticing the fragrance of the roses and the beauty of the roses and, and, and you've got a lot. Today is the Lord's day, a day of worship. But we know there's a lot going on. Last Sunday, there's a lot going on. Next Sunday, if the Lord delays his coming, there'll be a lot going on. The Sunday after that, a lot going on. But there are, there are bouquets of blessings in our lives. And you can list. You've got a bunch of them. I do too. But to me, right, and to David, and I'm sure to you, the, the greatest rose in our bouquet, the one that is the most fragrant, the one that is the most beautiful, the one that is to be the most prized, it is worship. And so what are we doing today? We're, we're kind of going aside, not with daddy, but with our earthly father. No, our heavenly father. We're, we're taking time with God, and he's showing us something really beautiful. Do not take this for granted. This is such a gift. He's been so good to us at giving us Sundays, at giving us Lord's days to come together and say to God, God, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for making me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for giving me your son. I got to smell that fragrance with joy. <laughs> this is a blessing. This is not a burden at all. When we enjoy worship, it enhances every part, not just of the worship, but every part of our lives. It gives us the, the fuel to, to function Monday through Saturday, doesn't it? Have you noticed that when we really enjoy something, it has great benefits? When we enjoy something, we do it better. When we enjoy doing something, we do it as frequently as possible. When we enjoy something, we want to share that experience with as many people as we possibly can. So let us enjoy worship so we will worship better. Let us enjoy worship so we'll worship more frequently. Let us enjoy worship so we'll be more inclined to want to share the worship opportunity with those in our circles of love and influence. We enjoy worship. Not out of selfishness, like, all right, I'm here, please me, entertain me. That's not what this is about. We enjoy doing things that please God. It pleases us to please God. Worship pleases God. Jesus said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. We're the audience Somewhat, but it is God that is the object, the, the obsession of our gathering today. 
the word worship, interesting word, it literally means to kiss towards. We're kissing towards the Father today who has kissed towards us with all these amazing blessings, all these people he's put in our hearts and lives. What great incentive we have to come together every Lord's Day to say thank you for the gifts, for the amazing life that you've given us. Would you look at Psalm 100 for just a moment with me? Psalm 100 is all about worship, all about our attitude towards worship. Here's what David wrote. Verse 1, make a joyful shout or noise, some translations say, to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who's made us and not we ourselves. For we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. And as a consequence of that, what do we do? We enter into his gates, how? With thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. And then it says, be thankful to him and bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And notice this line, his truth endures to all generations. You remember what those encyclopedias cost you a few years ago? Really expensive. Have a yard sale now. Try to sell those same books. You can't get pennies for them. Why? Because their truth has not endured for all generations. What was true a few decades ago is not true now. What was true in the Word of God decades ago is true today. It will always be true. And we prize that truth. And one of the truths that we celebrate today is the value of worship. The value of joyful worship of our Father. We kind of take a quick look at Psalm 100 and just dissect some of this together. We see from verse 1 that the sounds of our worship should be joyful. Full of joy is what joyful means. So if I am full of joy, it means I have no space in me for, for, for whining, complaining, and griping. All of that has been crowded out by an attitude of gladness as we kiss towards God today. This passage, verse 1, also defines who is to worship. The phrase, all you lands, all, that's everybody should be joyful. How can we be joyful when circumstances are challenging? Well, how could early Christians be joyful? Their lives, much of the time, externally, were horrible. They're running for their lives. They're giving up homes. They're giving up treasure. They're giving up family reunion. They can't go to Granny's house anymore. And they said goodbye to all of that to say hello to Jesus. And how, in the spite of all those challenges, are they able to worship joyfully with gladness? They were known for that. They tried to do it every Lord's Day, but they tried to get together every other day. That's how much they prized it. 
Because their joy in worship was not dependent on circumstances because circumstances fluctuate. Circumstances change. If I've got a good week, I'll have good worship. If I've got a bad week, bad worship if I worship at all. God wants me to worship him joyfully. He better give me a good week. And here's what that means. No, the early Christians, right, their joy in worship was not dependent on did they get the checklist of blessings they needed each day of the week. Their joy was dependent on their feelings towards God. Their, their joy was dependent on their relationship with the Father. They loved God. The price they paid in pursuit of loving God was a minor thing compared to the, to the storehouse of blessings they received, including the blessing of worshiping together with their forever family. Everybody can worship joyfully the Father. And then this passage also, verse 2, tells us to serve. Do, do, do you see that there? Serve. And, and who are we serving? You know, we're told here we're, we're serving the Lord. And what is our attitude as we serve the Lord? It's an attitude of gladness. Did you catch that, though, that we're serving in worship? You, you've seen these congregations. It's not the worst idea. They have a sign up somewhere in their building that you enter to worship and you exit to serve. Now, that's right. But also, as we enter and worship, let us recognize we are serving in worship. When we arrive gladly, worshiping joyfully, we're serving God. We're serving each other. And that better equips us on the outside of the walls to be phenomenal servants of the Father. This is, this is like recharging us, refueling us refreshing us where the devil, he better get out of the way because when I come out through these walls, I'll never be the same again. I'll be an unrelenting follower, an unrelenting victor of Jesus Christ. That's the attitude that springs from glad worship, joyful coming together. When we worship, this is a gift we give to the Father. As I've mentioned a hundred times probably by now, with gladness, worship means to kiss towards. Have you ever gotten a gift from somebody and you, you like the gift, but you just kind of detected that they weren't too keen about giving this to you? That they gave it to you out of obligation or, or just felt like it's something they had to do and, and there was some reluctance that you were detecting there. Did you enjoy that gift that was given not wholeheartedly, a gift not given joyfully? Probably not. We enjoy a gift that is given gladly, with eagerness. Wouldn't our Father be the same way? Wouldn't he be most desirous of a gift that we're happy to give? That is the essence of our worship today. We've come together happy to do this, and now the Father is happy to receive our worship. We're here to serve in worship, 
and it helps us to be better servants on the outside of our worship as well. Verse 3 tells us why, doesn't it? It teaches us why we're serving with joy. Because he is God. What does that mean? It means we exist because of God. We are saved because of God. We are blessed here and in the hereafter because of God. Think about T-Ball, I've used this analogy a lot lately, but we're on third base, spiritually speaking. We're on third base materially, many of us, not because we hit a triple, but because God put us there, and we've come now to say thank you. We do recognize that we... We are privileged to live the kind of life that the vast majority of people in the world pray to have. We're so blessed. We're so rich. We're so free. We're so American. But we're Christian. That's our first and most significant kingdom. And we don't want a situation where we got all these folks out in the world. They're praying for a kind of life that we're taking for granted. We don't take this for granted. We get up every day cherishing the breast, cherishing the, the health care we have access to, cherishing the, the freedoms we enjoy, thankful for the soldier who's not with his, his family today so we can be here with ours. We're grateful that we can jump, that we can listen, that we can speak, we can think, we can reason, we can purchase, we can sell. We're, we're, we're grateful. And, and so... We thank God for that. And, and that blesses us. The, the more, the, have you noticed the more thankful we are, the more we have to be thankful for? You, you notice how that, that tends to, to work that way. Oh, isn't this a great psalm here? We, we're also told in this that we're the sheep of his pasture. Right? That, that means we're what? We're, we're, his, we're his property. We, we're, we're a possession of God. And, and this word pasture is, is interesting to me. Uh, I grew up around pastures out in the sticks of beyond East Bruton. Pastures are beautiful. Pastures have all kinds of flowers coming up this time of year. But pastures also have animals in them. And that means what? You need to watch your step. In these pastures. The Apostle Paul, maybe he's not thinking of the pasture analogy, but when he wrote to the church at Thessalonica, he said to, to walk circumspectly. That's not a word we use. But it means to scope out life. It means to look around as you're living, as you're going. To, to kind of see what's coming in your direction or to see what you're approaching and to be willing to take evasive action regardless of the price. We've got to pay attention. Not just as we worship, but as we live life beyond worship. The devil is constantly trying to throw things at us to distract us, to divide us, splinter us, weaken us. We've got to be smart about it. We've got to see that coming, anticipate it. Get ready. What are we going to do when he does this? How are we going to respond? Victoriously. And again, worship, it kind of sets the table for more faithful living out there, more, more vigilant, the ability to, to walk more circumspectly, just kind of being aware that we do have an enemy, and he hates this. Oh, he hates it. 
when we come together for worship because he knows what it does for us. And then if you notice, dropping down to verse 5 of this great chapter, Psalm 100, we have the motivation there to worship with joy because he's good. That's an understatement, isn't it? Because God is good to us, because God is merciful to us. And then kicking back to four again, we have this attitude of gratitude highlighted, this thanksgiving that we're to be possessors of. We're thankful for all God has done. That's a list, isn't it? That's a long list. We're thankful for all he has done. We're thankful for all he is doing. We're thankful for all he is about to do. So when we enter for worship, when we join worship online, what we're doing is coming together to say thank you. It is a demonstration of our gratitude. And when we come to worship joyfully, it is another layer of expression of our gratitude to God because he has been good to us. So to enter joyfully, to join us online joyfully, Here's what we need to do. First, let's expect to enjoy. Have you ever participated in something and prior to that you thought, oh, this is going to be horrible. I'll be glad when this is over. It's going to cost me. If we approach anything with that attitude, it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. And at the end of it, say, yeah, I expected it to be that kind of experience. It wasn't good and don't want to do that again. If I do it again, won't do it very well. Not going to do it very frequently. Sure, not going to involve other people in it. We, we need to expect this is going to bless my life. This will strengthen me. This will cause me to be closer to God. This will encourage other people. If we expect it to be good, it's a lot more likely to be good. And then let's also, number two, let's prepare. Let's prepare our heart for great worship. Let's prepare our body for great worship. And you know, we want to prepare our heart by, in a sense, making sure we're right with each other, as right as we can be with each other. You remember Peter's talking to husbands and wives in 1 Peter 3, verse 7, and about their, their own relationship with each other and how it can impact our communication with the Father, our prayers, that we're to be good in the house so our prayers will not be hindered. And so to prepare for great worship today, one of the best things we can do is try to have good relations with those in our house and with others that will be joining us in the Lord's house later on. It'll help us also, you know, to try to during the week to be a godly person. If we're, if we're I know this doesn't apply to any of us, but if we're ungodly Monday through Saturday, kind of hard to show up Sunday to have godly good worship, worship with joy. We worship with embarrassment, we worship with shame because we know what we were during the week and now we're going to dress up in our church costume and say, okay, I'm more perfect than I actually am. So let's be godly. Let's think the best thoughts. Let's say the best words. Let's do the best things. And that will make it so much of an easier proposition to come together worshiping with a smile, worshiping with a joyful heart um, and preparing our body ahead of time that's an obvious got to get some rest the, the more rested we are the more refreshed we are hey 
Tonight is what? It's a school night. Got to make sure the kids get a good night's rest. That's just good parenting. But what is today? Today is a school day also. It's a Bible school day. It's a Sunday school day. It's a day to come together and worship. So I know circumstances sometimes will keep us up all night. So if I'm tired, should I just stay home? Oh, come on. We're not tempted to think that, are we? I'd rather you come here and sleep than there and sleep. You know, that makes sense. I really had. Even your tired presence can be a blessing. It says, even though I'm tired, I'm going to be here. And that's a pretty strong statement, the testimony of your faithfulness to God. But when we can, let's get a good night's rest. That'll help us to have more effective worship. And then a number three thing to consider if we want to have more joyful, more effective worship. When we are here, let's focus on ourselves and God as best we can. Remember, oftentimes we, we pray before the Lord's Supper. We want to uh, clear our minds of any worldly thoughts. And that's important. But it's important to do that before we pray. It's important to do that before we sing a song. It's important to do that before we study the Word. It's important to do that before we give as we've been blessed. To try to declutter our minds. Remember, we noticed earlier, full of joy. We got all this joy. So we don't have room for that other. We got all this godliness in us. We can't be distracted by ungodliness. And we got to be, be fiercely focused, and it's tough because there's a lot of distraction, a lot of things that the devil can use to, well, we came in here, we're kind of on cruise control, and then next thing you know, I'm out in the parking lot, and I'm not sure what happened between getting in the parking lot and leaving the parking lot. I think I was in worship. What were the songs we sang? I'm not sure, but they're pretty good. Who led the prayer? I'm not sure, but it was a good one. What was the sermon about? Well, it lasted 28 minutes. I know that. We're not there, are we? I mean, we're, we're investing in this. And we're saying, it blessed me to be a part of this. And I focused on God. I focused on Jesus. I focused on myself and my response to his amazing grace. Um, and then a fourth, final thing I'll mention. Worship's a verb. That means it's something we get to do. Have you noticed that when we're doing something, we typically enjoy it a lot more than watching somebody else do it? We're going to go eat here in a few minutes, right? Now, I've really distracted you, right? But it's okay. <clears throat> we're going to go eat. Think of your favorite restaurant, wherever that is. Okay, we're going to go there and eat. Crystal, we're going to Crystal. After this, okay? And I order, love crystals, don't you? With extra ketchup. I've ordered my crystals there. You're sitting across from me. And, and you didn't get any food. And you're not getting to eat. And you're just sitting there. And you're watching me eat those crystals. Can you see that? You can taste them right now, can't you? And, and, and it's, it's, it's so much fun for you to watch me eat and enjoy that meal. No. No. Nobody says, I'm going to go to this restaurant and watch people eat. I'm going to go to Outback. I'm going to go to George's, and I'm going to enjoy the Bloomin' Onion. I'm going to enjoy the whatever it is. Why are we enjoying the feast? Because we're participating, because we're consuming, because we're active, because we're taking part in it. Worship. If I'm coming to worship to watch him sing, her sing, them give, those folks pray, that guy study or preach, the other folks pay attention. If I've come just to watch the show, then how can I enjoy 
I didn't get a blessing. I just watched other people get a blessing. The blessing is in the participation. It's in the verb of giving the best of ourselves to our Heavenly Father. <coughs> I was glad. I was glad. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. Let that be our attitude. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you that you've given us the gift of worship. It pleases us, Father, to please you in worship. We pray that all we have said, done, thought in this worship has honored you, that you have been the target of our emotions and our heart. You've been the object of our love today because we do care for you. We do appreciate, we value your goodness, your blessings towards us. Help us, Father, to worship you better than ever, more frequently than ever, with more people than ever, because we enjoy this, and we want others to enjoy the gift. Help us, Father, to take time to chase great worship, to be in full pursuit of it as those little kids are chasing that baseball. Help us, Father, to know we got a bouquet of great blessings that help us to understand the sweetest rose is worship. Help us to take time to savor the fragrance, to savor the view. Father, help us to never get so busy with a lot of good things that are going on out there. But even the devil can use good things to keep us away from the best things. Help us, Father, to love worship, to love worshiping joyfully. Thank you that you've given us this gift today. If there are things in our hearts and our lives that are going on that are preventing us from enjoying worship, we pray that you would help us to, to get rid of those things, to um, cast those things aside by the power of prayer. If those are sins, help us to repent of them. Help us to seek forgiveness from you, from anyone else we've harmed. Father, if we need to put on Christ in baptism today, being truly renewed, truly restored, truly refreshed. Help us to make that decision today, to become your child. Father, uh, again, thank you for the good people that are here in Pew and online to worship. We pray that what we have done has moved us closer to you, closer to each other. In Christ Jesus we pray, amen. If we can help you in any way, would you come please while we stand and sing?